Welcome to Meet the Black Press, a podcast dedicated to telling the untold stories of the black community in the United States and the black diaspora around the world. Meet the Black Press is presented by the National Newspaper Publishers Association Podcast Network. Welcome back. We are here live in Norfolk, Virginia at the Hilton Main Line in uh, Norfolk, Virginia for the NNPA convention, annual convention. And we are here speaking with the publisher. The Are you the founder? I am the publisher of the Dallas Weekly in Dallas, Texas. Introduce yourself. So My name is know. Jim Washington. Jim and Washington. Uh, I have an affiliation with the Atlanta Voice newspaper in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and it's fraught with legacy. It's fraught with branding. <laughs> we want to get into all and, of that. Uh, we want to hear And I'm just happy to be here. Man, thank you so much, Mr. Washington. My pleasure, man. We really appreciate you. So let's get it going right here quickly, man. So we've already introduced you. It's Mr. Washington from the Dallas tell, tell us Dallas the Weekly. Dallas Weekly. How long has the Dallas Weekly been around? Oh, Dallas Weekly been around 62 years. Nice. Atlanta Boys, 53, I believe. Excellent. And we are, by NNPA standards, that's the National Newspaper Publishers Association, we are probably babes in the woods. <laughs> yeah. There are a number of publications that are older than ours, and probably seven or eight that are over a hundred years old. Yeah. And as and if, if you can just think of the businesses in our communities that are a hundred years old, then there's something to be said for longevity and uh, how our communities have sustained us. And in the game of media, longevity is extremely important. You guys have been spreading the message throughout Dallas and Atlanta for the past five or six decades. So how did this come to be? Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the founding of the paper? The, the, uh, the newspaper in Dallas was founded by Anthony T. Davis. Okay. And he was a, a Philadelphia, born and raised, and uh, moved to Dallas. Okay. Uh, and started the newspaper there. He wasn't the the first, mm -hmm. but he's uh, he's been there. He's, that paper was there, and I acquired that paper from him. Uh, I'm humbled to say it was a deathbed wish. His um, his his widow, uh, Lucy Mae McDonald Davis, mm -hmm. uh, told me this, and she made sure that the transition was completed, even though uh, Mr. Davis expired while this whole process was going on. Uh, the Atlanta Voice is a second generation. Paper. It was founded by Jay Lowell Ware as part of the Civil Rights Movement because those leaders in Atlanta felt like there wasn't, the story wasn't being told the way it should be. So Jay Lowell Ware started the, uh, the Atlanta Voice. It wasn't his first newspaper, but he was one of the few uh, African Americans who actually owned the printing press. So he wow. actually had newspapers in as far away as Macon, Georgia, Augusta, Georgia, uh, Pensacola, Florida, etc. Each one called the voice. Wow. And I think that tagline was, um, and still is, uh, a people without a voice cannot be heard. Uh, in Dallas, it's, we're just the number one newspaper serving the African American community. I love it. These sound like two visionary men for like the community. They sound like guys who really did something significant for their community. When you think about, when you think about, and I tell the following story. Mm -hmm. I simply say that black newspapers were birthed out of a segregated world. Very true. Right? So Very we, true. we existed as the societies were in fact separate. So we were the ones that championed the cause of the 
the, the lynchings in the South, the integration of the armed forces, et cetera, et cetera. There's no struggle that we weren't a part of. Very important stories also that weren't being told by mainstream media. Absolutely, absolutely. And still. Right, exactly. Not being told by mainstream, hey, if you will. And uh, my, my, my analogy is simple. It simply mm-hmm. says when, um, when Jackie Robinson crossed the color line of baseball, mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful issue. Wonderful, wonderful thing that happened, right? But it killed black ownership of baseball teams. And I am one of those people that believe Branch Rickey did not do this out of the goodness of his heart. Certainly didn't do it right. I think he went to Comiskey Park on the south side of Chicago and saw 50,000 people watching a black baseball game and said, there's some money to be made. Talk about and it. I believe that was an <laughs> impetus. If they don't say it, I believe it certainly was was there as a, yeah. as a as a consideration. Exactly. It wasn't an entirely altruistic now, act. Now here that. comes here come black newspapers. All right. Similar situation. And I liken it to the riots in the sixties. Um, cities were burning us. You know. White white media did not have black reporters mm-hmm. to go into these communities and mm-hmm. cover what was going on. So they went to black newspapers. And they cherry-picked reporters. They could pay them more. The careers were there, etc. So as a result of that, we just didn't go out of business. By hook or by crook, by genius and other, other tools, if you will, mm-hmm. we stayed in business. Mm-hmm. And you could not find the legends in white media who didn't have their beginnings in the black press. That's a big fact. But it is a, it is a truth now. I'm old school, guys, so, you know, please understand, I'm old school that says that, you know, that was the beginning of what the white man's ISIS calls it. All right. Now, there's, it, it just it just is, which simply says, okay, now all of a sudden you had, there was a time mm-hmm. when you had people who would graduate and say, well, I need to go to NYU. Mm-hmm. I need to work for the LA Times. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I need to graduate from Southern University of Flint, Florida, and, and, shout out to Southern and go, and go to work to go to work for the Philadelphia Tribune, which had in its heyday and still does over 100 employees. Salary is pretty good, you know? right, right? I mean, the reality of starting a career was one where we just weren't looked upon mm-hmm. as that place to go. You really achieve something if you could get that job working at. The, the LA Times. And you know what I look at as a person who's who's younger and who's seen like the way that all played out? Mm-hmm. That attitude of not caring for our own and not being intensely attached to building our own communities and our own businesses what laid the groundwork for what's gentrification now. And they're taking everything that we thought we had, like we thought we had the city, we thought this was our hood. No, it, it's it, not. It is amazing how value can be changed right? by who owns it. <laughs> Thank you. So when you talk about... Well, we about, owned it, it wasn't worth nothing. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a something to be said for the historical references that people make in the sense of, well, you know, at one point in time, the American, the United States of America had the number one edu- public education system in the world. That was when white folks were... <laughs> the majority of public schools. Now, all students. of a sudden, you know, immigrants and black folks and other people... That's where we went to school. Next thing you know, you had white flight. White flight went to the suburbs, and the public school systems went down. Well, did they go down because what? What? Because what? Right, I mean, exactly. was it a political issue? Was it because you didn't have the right teachers? Did you have? Mm-hmm. There was. A, you know, you expect excellence 
and you get excellence from kids. Yes. You expect them to do poorly, and they will. And they will right. I look, you mentioned gentrification. Well, isn't it interesting that once upon a time, Harlem, 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 mm-hmm. when it was segregated, mm-hmm. place to be, place to go, businesses everywhere. Hey, talk about All it. of a sudden, here comes integration, and Harlem starts to go down, go down. It turns into down. a slump. Now, next thing you know, man, how much is a how much is a brownstone? Too much for me. How much is a graystone in Chicago? Hey, I'm from Washington, D.C. We are living through so it. So, all of a sudden, when it becomes an issue of, well, now white flight mm-hmm. is now a white inflight mm-hmm. into the inner city. So now the property values go up, the uh, the resources get available, developers start to come in, etc. And somehow you want to blame the folks who were there Absolutely. in the beginning as the reason that it went down in the first place. You know, I think... I think about that, and I think about the fact that they took that and made that the narrative, and also think about the mm-hmm. black press. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How important do you feel like it is for members of the black press, and just the black press in general, to take back control of the narrative, and take back control of you know telling our own story? I am, I am proud to say that that is an as-we-speak effort, right. and it is an as-we-speak effort because there is a value shift in the sense of, quote, why black press got started in the first place. Mm-hmm. When we tell our stories, a different story. Every time. Right. <laughs> the Atlanta Voice, two weeks ago, on the front page of their paper in Southville, a newly formed city in Fulton County called South Fulton, I think it's South Fulton County. And it, the headline was, when black women lead. On the cover, in this new city, everybody who's involved in the justice system is a black female. I like it. The police chief, the hey, Atlanta just got a, district a, a black female mayor. No, no, Georgia, excuse me. Atlanta just—I mean, Georgia just nominated a Democratic, a, a black female as a Democrat for governor. Okay. So she still got—you know—we still, still, still got to win the general. Still got to win the general. Make sure you go out and but, vote. But the fact is, she's there. Yes. And my understanding is Ben Jealous is now the yeah, Democratic for America. Yesterday, yes. All right. So when you look at our you look at how we cover our stories, mm-hmm. what stories we actually cover. The reason I bring up the, the issue of the black women who lead mm-hmm. is because every white newspaper picked up a story. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't important until mm-hmm. we put it out. Now right. it's now it's a story that they want to commandeer and take the narrative. Well, you can't take the narrative because no. the sisters now are saying that's okay. We 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 got to run our city, but whenever we need to talk, they'll talk. To we'll talk. We'll talk through us. So we'll, we'll talk. And you're a savvy man. I see you understand that. So I got that leads me to my next question. Yes, How did you become involved in media? Personally. Oh, this is this is <laughs> no. I know this okay. is a good story. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I, I'm from the South Side of Chicago. All right. I went to an integrated grade school, okay. integrated high school. I found myself at Southern University in Baton Rouge. Hey, I'm a Jaguar too. Absolutely, <laughs> my man. And wound up going to the University of Wisconsin for graduate studies. Okay. In journalism. So just draw a line down the middle of the country. Right. You straight that, up in Mississippi. That, that, you just riding on the riverboat. Right. <laughs> and, and since I'm from Chicago, University of Wisconsin, Madison, 60, 66 miles away. Really? I get in there and they tell me, oh, oh, you poor little fellow. <laughs> you know, you, you come up here and you're going to struggle with uh, the, the, the standards of academia. <laughs> like which word advanced to something. Like Southern University isn't a rigorous school. Oh, and it, 
All thank right. You, thank you. So therefore, you. I was basically told by an advisor, I mm -hmm. was not going to be able to go into what I wanted to go into, which was investigative journalism. Mm. Now, I didn't have the, the right uh, foundation in the courses that I took. <laughs> I got attitude and say, excuse me, I want to do how much I need to go someplace where I can make some right. money. <laughs> Which one is the one that's gonna make the most it's money? Of my language. And they <laughs> said advertising. All right. So I went into advertising. Okay. I was in advertising, taking the, the, the basic courses, if you remember this is graduate school, and mm -hmm. a, a a a West Virginian mm. named Scott Cutlip, who wrote the the manual for public relations, effective public relations. We studied his book, Snatch Me. And I got an afro, may not think so. I had an afro, <laughs> had a peacoat. Uh, and he said, you are in the wrong field. And I went, what are you talking about? He said, you need to be in public relations. I got insulted because he said, your people are going to need you. Yes, sir. And I went, what are you talking about? He said, well, I want you to take, I want you to watch this class. This class was of a political campaign where a, I don't know if it was a Republican or a Democrat. They knew this guy was going to lose. Mm -hmm. But they wanted him to get name ID. Mm -hmm. And so they showed him being shaped by handlers. Couldn't mm -hmm. wear certain clothes. His family, they had to come up with the right image of the sweater and the, the conservative so it was nature. All of it. like really contrived. And right. then what they said was, here are the issues that were facing that district. Let's say it was water. Okay. He's on a panel and they showed, well, look, here comes the question. And, but they told him that people, the real issue is water, but people think it's education. And he <laughs> gave an education answer, and there it was. So this was manipulation wow. at a level that I had not seen. Yeah. And I now. It's the real thing. Now, this is <laughs> leading to the power of the press. But at the time, it was the power of controlling and manipulating Thoughts. information yes. that people received in mm -hmm. order for them to do something. Around what time would you say this is? We're what talking is 71, man. I'm an I've old been, card. I like it, man. 71, 72, 72. But that just shows that this game has you know, been being played oh, for, for a long, long time. time. But fortunately, this is a white gentleman. This is, a, this is the son of coal miners. Good. Who's telling me Who that you? in order to mm -hmm. make this thing work, information... Was going to be the commodity of the future. Now I learned this when I was 22. I say this all the time. All right. So if information <laughs> is a commodity, uh -huh. then you have to understand: Are you spending it, or are you investing in it? Are you are you are you re are you a, a consumer, or, or are you right? Are you manufacturing? Exactly, producer. So I wound up learning this, starting an agency, moved to Dallas, Texas, first African-American public relations agency, etc. was told to make a long story, longer story short, to, and was told that, wait a minute, you know what? This town did not have what the, what the majority community said was an, was an, uh, an, an adequate okay. uh, vehicle for news. They had newspaper, but these guys said no. It just so happens as uh, Lord and fate would happen. Mm -hmm. um, we met a broker, and wow. the broker said one of the newspapers was for sale, wow. and it happened to be the Dallas Weekly. Wow. The owner, Anthony Davis, yes, took sir. a liking to me, told his wife That's what I was going on say. his deathbed, baby, if you can't find the money, give it to him anyway. I like it. I and, I, and, I, wait, and I wound up being taught and groomed in that. So I went from the PR agency to buying the newspaper. But understanding in Most a different level the power of the press. Absolutely. Man, and impressive. therein lies how I got into the business. So I kind of washed my hands on the PR side. Okay. 
and wound up and you know we bought the newspaper in 1985 and in 1989 we, me and my partner he took the the, uh, the public relations agency and I took on the, the, uh, the newspaper and I'm proud to say that right now my son uh, he wouldn't believe I'd be saying <laughs> the heir apparent. I call him. I call him uh, Michael Corleone. All right, that's I, right. I, I'm done. Da, I'm you gotta have a Michael. And, and, wait a minute. As everybody, <laughs> if you if you understand the dynamic of the Godfather, which is the best business manual you could possibly see. I love this guy right, right here. Then, <laughs> yeah. What happens is the Godfather, Don Corleone, never made it to Vegas. No. Sure didn't. So I'm not. I'm not going to be the guy that rides into the I future. So as I'm yeah. sitting here with on a podcast that's being generated by a black newspaper, then the brand gets expanded. Yes, sir. The brand cannot be touched by anybody. Brand is you strong. Can, the brand is strong. The relationship that the Washington Informer and what you're doing with the bridge, the Informer bridge. All right. Yes, sir. Can't be negated by somebody else because the relationship is solid. Very true. If the relationship is solid, all you're doing is diversifying the techniques yes. and the tools used in order to communicate information that is important to our community. That's Make no mistake about it. I'm an advocacy journalist. I love it, man. This I is, mean, I'm advocating. I make no mistake about it. You're the king of segues right now, man. <laughs> that leads, that, that's leading me right into what I want to ask you because... What we're doing right now with, with the podcast yes, and sir. with just expanding into digital yes, media sir. in general, yes, like, what do you see as the future of the, your publication specifically, but the black press, you know, in general? Where are we going with this, man? Now, you saw and you, excuse me, you saw <laughs> That's and, right. me, and you heard me say, my prism is public relations. Right. So if my prism right is public to. relations, then my view may be a little bit different. Some people might think it's skewed. And I simply say that the future is bright because I am in the, I'm in the communications business. My brand is the Dallas Weekly Now, DW, or the Atlanta Voice, or the Washington Informer, right. or what have you. My job is to diversify that brand's methodology of distributing the information. Mm -hmm. So. Who cares if it's a printed publication, mm -hmm. a digital publication, it's all a information, a tweet, yes, or sir. what have you? It's the brand that is the thing. So you. the future is bright for those who realize that. Yes, sir. The thing is, I am who I say I am to new consumers of what I produce. Big facts. I'm a multimedia yep. company. I'm whatever I'm I told you I was. I'm a content <laughs> Exactly. Right? My problem is educating old school agencies that I am more than a print publication mm -hmm. because print revenue is going down. It's just the facts. This, these are the facts. It's now, just I'm going to print a newspaper as long as I can drink a cup of coffee and I can read it. And that's paper. why we appreciate our publishers, because to be honest, we couldn't do any of this without the support of the Washington Informer, which has been around about the same amount of time as the Dallas Weekly. You have to like give that. the leadership credit. Now, yes. there are those who are your age mm -hmm. and the age of the folks who are involved in this who say it's not fast enough. Yeah. I would simply say to you that's, that's that, a trait of a young man. That's, 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 I was that guy. I, feel you, I know you feel All right. Me. So I'm, 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 I'm pleased, mm -hmm. but I also, as I said, I have a son who's saying it's not fast enough, it's not fast mm -hmm. enough, because the industry is changing so much. 
Uh -huh. the, 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 um, the example I would give to the, the viewers, the listeners, and to you mm -hmm. is uh, a PR guy told me this. He said, the guy who made the last buggy whip right. made the best buggy whip that was ever made. You know, buggy whip. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. But then he, the car came from. He should have gone into the business. I will not be the guy who makes the last good newspaper. Good newspaper. Yeah. That's the best newspaper yeah. that you ever saw. Yeah. I'm going into communication. I'm going into the multimedia world. I love it. So now you have to look at the skill set of young people. Yes, sir. As opposed to, and I'm running into it now. I'm running into people who are journalists. Okay. They are print journalists. Mm -hmm. Man, you say, okay, well, what about the website? Man, and they still they, they still have <laughs> difficulty. Right. Like, dealing what's, what's with that? that? Wait a minute. One of the most powerful journalists in the world today is a photojournalist. Very One true. of the most powerful journalists today is videographer. Very true. Is an audio. We had a guy yes. come into the Atlanta Boys the other day who talked about audio marketing, hey. the audio branding of our publication. Shout out to podcast. And it went a whole, it took me to a whole different level of having the uniqueness of style, your style, our brand as it relates to people who heard us. And I just was moved to simply say, okay, what do I need to play? Yes, sir. I'm one of those people, man, I don't have to play. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's one of those things. Hey, you are in, a, in another life, I'm a spiritual guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, I write a you know. spiritual column across the country, picked up by a whole, a whole lot of newspapers. You know, so my scenario is I'm always biblical in this. Uh, I mean, I'm always spiritual in this. And that simply says, man, people put... God puts people in your way while you're on your way mm -hmm. who are destined not to get to where you're going. But you couldn't get there if he didn't put that person in your path. I know exactly. That, that person might have made you turn left. That person might have made you stop. That mm -hmm. person might have made you go right. But if you didn't go right, you couldn't get there. Very true. So the end game is the same as an advocate. In a shrinking world, remember this guy's name was Scott Cutler. He told me the world was getting smaller in 1971. Smart man. What did he mean when he said the world was getting smaller? He said, "Man, you can be you can be in uh, in uh, Africa tomorrow. I can be in Africa in about five minutes by getting on yep. the phone. Oh, no doubt. All right. <laughs> I can get I get tweets from Kenya now. All right, <laughs> Facebook. So the world is getting smaller because yes, you can be any place at any time." to see what's going on, which means the connectivity of the planet is, 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 the, is the next great thing. And it's like, you know, it's not just a cell phone. Tomorrow it's going to be your eyeglasses. I, it's going to be your watch. I tell my son, man, I'm like, look, man, it's incredible that I can FaceTime you right now, yes. but by the time you my age, you're going to be hitting me on the hologram or something. <laughs> like, hey, Pops, I'm, I'm in the living room. What you doing? <laughs> I, I guess you call him out. This is a gentleman who's your age. Uh -huh. uh, he is uh, he's my nephew by marriage. He's had a two, at the time, he had a two-year-old little girl. Mm -hmm. Came in, we having this conversation. He took his phone out and put it on the floor. Mm -hmm. Within a few minutes, she had gotten to the place where she was playing with the game or whatever yes. she wanted. She did not read a manual. Uh, didn't touch a manual. But she just, this was this, that world. It's intuitive in a way. And like, that's, it's so funny because a lot of the technology and a lot of things that we do right now 
are based on a feel. You know what I mean? Like we're not trying to create so much of a product, like a physical, tangible yes, product. Yes. We're trying to transfer a feeling. We're trying to make people understand like what our generation represents. And an organization like the NNPA, full of newspapers, publications yes. of all sorts that actually embodied and encompassed the feeling of, you know, like like you said, starting really civil rights movement yes. and black advancement and prosperity yes. and chronicling desegregation mm -hmm. of all mm -hmm. types of things. Like right now, we have a whole different world to chronicle and to explore. And what do you feel like an organization like the NNPA, what do you feel like we all as members of the black press, as a team together, should do to push that agenda forward? Your generation has to respect, man. Yes. For what we know and the experience that we have. Had this conversation. But the responsibility is I have to respect yours. I have to respect what you bring to the party. I have to respect your insight. So I can't get upset. Excuse me. I'm sure that as crazy as this sounds, I'm sure a whole bunch of people got upset with the NAACP yeah. back in the day. For I'm sure. sure. For sure. There was rabble rousers. The same yeah. way people got upset with yes. Black Lives Matter. Exactly. What are you talking about? Yeah. Because each element of who we are, not now as a as a as a as a as a nation, and this, I'm, 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 I'm going to try to get this point out before we close, okay. and that is, there is a reality that we have to accept, and that is, I'm never going to, I don't care how much DNA you take from me, etc., I'm never going to identify as a Nigerian. Right. I'm never going to identify as a Kenyan. I can respect yes. the heritage, but as a culture, I am African American. Yes, sir. There's an experience that we have in this country. That's unique. That is unique to us. Yes, sir. And we have to respect that mm -hmm. and for force others to do so. Now, if that's the case, then mm -hmm. come back to what you're talking about, which simply says, what, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. Man, this is about as simple as we can get. Let this lock with that. Yes, sir. It's not just the imagination, it's the intellect. Yes, sir. It's the intellect that's going to give us the genius that allows us to do what we need to do in the world because the last thing that we're looking at is how do you keep me, how do you keep your, your foot on my throat? You continue to try to tell me what I'm not. I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it proudly. I, you heard me a minute ago when we started. Say I went to an integrated grade school back in the day. Okay. All right now. I then went to uh, some other institutions. <laughs> My man. That I met people who didn't do that. Right. So there was a thought process that I dug up that simply said people actually thought the ice man, I mean, the, the white man's ice was colder. Yeah. Yeah. Because they wanted a white doctor instead of a black doctor. Mm hmm. Wait a minute. I was in graduate school with black guys who were becoming doctors. If they got out of school with a degree, they were ten times better. I'm talking about that. So in that particular instance, I'm looking at the situation and kind of go, wait a minute now. Hold it. If that's the reality that we have to deal with, then I have to think myself and realize that the genius is walking around me. It's I'm here. still here. It's here. Yeah. I understand something real clearly, man. That is, as an older black man, mm -hmm. I understand the righteous indignation hey. of being who I am and where I am. 
I made it this far. Thank you. Wait a minute, I didn't do it by myself. No, sir. Hey, man, a little of this was hustle. Yep. A little of this was let me go right instead of left. Let me realize the danger over there, but let me also find the friends over here that can do these kinds of things that we're talking about. And now, take a look at any black newspaper and look at the archive. You're going to find out what happened in in places with people, etc. I was one of the biggest compliments I ever got. The, I was able to go to the Baltimore and Washington, D.C. Afro. I think it was a 120-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. And the keynote speaker was, I can't, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I can't remember the young lady's name who wrote the book Hidden Figures. Um, she yeah, found the names of the ladies in the archives of of course, because that's the only people that because would give she them props. Right. They sure were writing about them in the Washington Post. So, so these are the kind of things that I would simply say to you and simply say to us, whatever our disagreements, mm -hmm. whatever where we are, it can't be generational. Hey, I can't. Now, now I was, I was where you were to I, simply say, yeah. I... I'm thinking that the my 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 seniors listen. I'm didn't know what the there, hell they were talking. Look, about. I'm sitting there looking at you. I'm like, man, this this guy is style goals for when I hit these ages right okay. here, man. I'm trying to you move like you. Get, wait, but you so, can't give up on me, right? And when nah, I say me, there you go. Uh, my son gave up on me a long time ago <laughs> hey, because I'm we trying, always come back around. Though. But I'm, I'm trying to make sure that he. See, you know, I'm trying to protect. Yes. I mean, I'm trying to get him from here to there, yep. and he's trying to say, let me go, let me run. You ever see a two-year-old say, let me hand yeah, go, yeah, let yeah. me hand go? Let me I was that run. guy. <laughs> I'm still that guy. Now all of a sudden, he's like, okay, if I get in front of him, I can keep him from falling on exactly. his face. But you know what? He gonna fall he on gonna his fall. face. And he, he gonna needs fall. to, because that's the way you like. No doubt, man. You're, Mr. Washington, Thank I you, really appreciate oh, every bit okay. of your time, man. Don't worry about right. that whole all right, there we I go. Got we got some stable up. Yes, you There do. we go. We're okay. okay. We're but, yo, before we get out of here, we just got to make sure we can tell people how to get in touch with you if you want to be reached. You know oh, I'm just kidding. Jim, my, uh, right. James Washington, Jaws at the Dallas, Jaws at Dallas Weekly. J-A-W-S, like the movie. Those are my initials. I, I like that. That'd be funny. Jaws All at swag Dallas over Weekly. <laughs> or Jaws at the Atlanta Voice. That's T-H-E. Jaws at the Atlanta Voice dot com. Man. You can get me there at any time, any place. And I will answer the question. If you mention the bridge, I'll put you to the front of the line. Oh, all right. <laughs> Listen, you heard me here first.